When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into the CHGO studios here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, your host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. To the far left is Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat reporter. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. And you can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. On today's episode, it is another rained out game for the Sox and the Guardians. I agree with Joe Tucci, WTF Cleveland. I was not expecting this one. Yesterday made more sense. We saw rain all throughout the day, uh, but just due to winter weather, we are not getting a game today. This one will be made up tomorrow. So you get two Sox and Cleveland games tomorrow, and then you'll get one on Thursday as well. We'll have a post game for you after the second game of tomorrow's doubleheader, and then we will have a pre and post game for you on Thursday. So that's the new schedule now after this game was canceled. Uh, were you guys surprised by this one, or were you guys, because you were on top of it. I mean, you're Mr. You're Mr. Media Alert, I'm guessing. <laughs> Mr. Media Alert? Yeah, that's Mr. Me. Media Alert. No, it's just, it, it's, listen, it's just being on Twitter at the right time is okay. really all it comes down to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you got to expect this kind of thing for April baseball, especially when you're playing in one of the two central divisions, right? I mean, this is what happens uh, in these parts this time of year. You fluctuate wildly between... Spring, summer, and winter all, all in one week, it seems, sometimes. So, Did you uh, hear it's going to be 80 degrees in Chicago on Saturday? Yeah. Great. Yeah. And lovely. I'll be, I'll be getting out of town just in time Perfect. to go to the mountains where it'll be 50. So, I should have guessed know. that. I should have yeah. took money. Whenever someone goes on a vacation, whenever someone goes out of town, that's when the wood, good weather comes yep. to Chicago Absolutely. in the first four months. Absolutely. I mean, it literally happened to me. When I went to Nashville, it was beautiful up here. <laughs> it was beautiful in Nashville, too. But That's why I just stay, because, you, know, you know, I just... <laughs> that's why yeah. you're afraid of the weather turning good right. while you're go- while you're gone. We were talking today about uh, Cleveland and uh, St. Louis and my hatred for those places, even though I've never been. Uh, you know, and uh, Vinny said maybe you need to get outside a little bit yeah. more, which is true. Right, uh, but uh, I, I will still hate them. I don't, you know, we shouldn't. Just- Cleveland's our all right town, not that great. I mean, most Midwest towns for me are not great, but Cleveland is fine if you find a nice place to dine. I mean, if you like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which we'll get to some of our albums a little bit later. Oh, yeah. And if you like, I don't know, cheap alcohol, it's, it's in Cleveland. <laughs> That's where they got it? That's where they're hiding it all? It's very inexpensive to go to Cleveland and drink. 
Well, good for them. And lack I mean, of traffic, too. They have no traffic. Well, that's because no one's there. Exactly. Uh, so, And that's what I've I found with Indianapolis as well. I went to Indianapolis. No one was there. It was 1 p.m., a very uh, popular lunch hour. No one was in any of the restaurants. It was deserted. Yeah. So I will, I will stick up for the cities in the AL Central. Okay. Cleveland, Detroit, Kansas City, Minneapolis. I have positive reviews for all of them. You can keep St. Louis. You can keep <laughs> Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. I've been to, I've been to Detroit. Fine city. It was cool. It's big. It's big like Chicago. Very tall. You know, a lot of skyscrapers. You know, it's a it's a very uh, you know very uh, intimidating city in a way. Uh, Rich just, musical history in Detroit. Yes. yes. I was like eleven though, so like uh, I didn't, you, you couldn't appreciate yeah. it yet. No, not yet. I wasn't really. <laughs> Spotify wasn't a thing yet, so gotcha. I wasn't I wasn't deep into the the track list. But uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about some music today. Uh, we had one person on uh, Twitter break down our uh, our <laughs> episode yesterday where we talked about music for twenty three minutes. Uh, so we'll to go back to the album discussion. We'll give our number three albums of all time. We were trying to make this a whole thing on the pregame show, uh, but there are no pregames because there's no games. So we're just working this into the real podcast now. Uh, so we'll do our number three albums of all time today. We'll also talk about some new rules or rule changes to the MLB that have happened over the past couple of years. Uh, Tony LaRussa commented on the change of uh, the seven innings to uh, going back to nine inning doubleheaders. So with the White Sox playing a doubleheader tomorrow, we'll talk about the doubleheaders and if they should go back to the seven inning rule. We'll also talk about a pitch clock. It's been introduced into the minor leagues and it has sped up games drastically. So we'll talk about what that can mean for the major leagues. And then we'll also look at the 26 man roster for the Sox. Project that a little bit once this team is healthy, once Lucas Giolito's back, once AJ Pollock's back, once Yohan Moncada's back, we will go through the 26-man roster and try to predict, or at least look at who it will be on this roster uh, once it shrinks down in May, back from uh, 28 men on the roster to 26. But should we jump into the album talk here, guys? Uh, yesterday, Vinny went with Born to Run from Bruce Springsteen. Herb went with Asia from Steely Dan. I went from with uh, Tusk from Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Fred saying rumors over Tusk. Like, yeah, dude. Like, no, I get that's everyone else's take, you know. But Tusk You're just is trying to be different. I'm not trying to be this, different. That, that like, smacked of a different for different sake uh, pick. I gotta I think, be honest with you. I think people just, you know, pe- you know, if you're you're back in 1979, it was like one of the most hated on albums of all time. But once you give it. 40 years or so. You're sticking up for the little guy is what you're doing. Exactly. I mean, I think they spent a lot of money on that album the most of all time. They put a lot of hard work into it, and I think it shows off. Every album, or at least song on the album, and is all right. Zero tracks. They were good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> none, none of them were, were big singles, but a lot of them mean a lot to me. Okay. Uh, and that's like 20 songs that cool. are good. So. Also, Fred, throw that U in there. It's the British spelling. Come yes, on, man. right. Rumors. Uh, you know, Stevie <laughs> Nicks is uh, British, if you didn't know. Same is with she? Lindsey Buckingham. She's no, they're from California. Okay. Um, Mick Fleetwood's British. Yeah, yeah Mick Fleetwood's yeah. British. In the Christy McVeigh and she like she sounds British. She sounds songs. British in those songs. <laughs> and then tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Yeah, that's little lies. Yeah, she's English. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, she's from the UK. I don't know if uh, and then uh, I don't know if John McVeigh's from. I believe England. he's an original Fleetwood Mac uh, guy, so I would he would have to be. Yes. Okay. Did anybody else get disappointed when they found out their favorite singer was British? Who are you thinking of? Phil Collins. When Phil Collins, oh, yeah. I learned that Phil you Collins. You didn't know was, Phil Collins no, was British? When he sung, I was like, oh, that man's from like California. No. <laughs> so from England. I have a, a Phil Collins thing. Uh, you know the song Invisible Touch? Great, Great song. song. Yeah. I thought it was Invisible Talk Show when I was a, a kid. Oh, I, Invisible I, Talk Show? Yeah. <laughs> okay. She seems to have that Invisible Talk Show. Well, this is phenomenal. We need to get Weird Al <laughs> on the horn for this to, to work sp- that one up. And speaking of Weird Al, you're daring to be stupid with that Tusk pick. 
<laughs> Ooh, I don't, boom! I don't know Ooh. what the Darren to be stupid is. Herb grilling you with some '80s Weird Al nice uh, references. Somebody there. got that Weird Al thing. So Watch yeah. the video. I Vinny got, got it. it. Yeah, Vinny yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah. you so, didn't. No, I didn't get oh, it. All right, let's get into the album talk here. That's why. Uh, who wants to go first? Anyone want to be brave here? I'll just go. All I right, mean, let's go, Herb. 1993 brought along the best album of Tribe Called Quest. I know this is very debated about on Tribe Called Quest uh, sites. But some mostly like Low End Theory, their album number two. I like their third album, which is Midnight Marauders. It, it has their best song overall for me, Electric Relay Xation. If you listen to that song and do not groove and want to hear that again immediately, something's wrong with you. And we were discussing, Big Dave and I, he was here for uh, CHGO Bulls. Lyrics to go. It's just a genius song. Firstly, Q-Tip with his rhyming skills. Secondly, his production skills. He was doing this in, in the late 80s, early 90s, where he's taking tracks and lyrics to go. He's taking the track from uh, a song called Come Inside Me. Sorry. Minnie Ripperton, who is the uh, mother of Maya Rudolph, if you didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah. She was a great soul singer. She has this long, huge note that's just yelling. You know, If you know M- Minnie Ripperton, you probably know Loving You. But she has this song in Come Inside of Me just... A long, it's just a long note. I can't do it because she's very high. Q-Tip takes that, just that long note, and pretty much has that loop throughout the whole song. You don't know this until you watch the documentary they did a couple years ago, but Midnight Marauders, just, it's the perfect album. You ever see Tribe Live? I have not seen Tribe Live. I met um, Fife Dog a couple times. He came into the Score Studios a couple times and interviewed with Lawrence Holmes before his passing. I think... Two years and one year before he died, he came into the score studios. But like, was he a big sports guy or just huge sports guy? I mean, one of his famous lines is, "Come with more hits than the Braves and the Yankees." And in lyrics to go, the song right here, he says a line that says, "I always wanted this because the Shirley beats a Shirley beats a scramble." I'm Jordan with the mic. Want to gamble? It also came out. Oh, that's a uh, Joe Joe Ostrowski's uh, intro, right? Yeah, I think that's what you put that in uh, in Joe's uh, when you were doing the score with Lawrence. Uh, but also, I don't know why I asked that because also one of my favorite lyrics from this album is in "Keep It Rolling," mm-hmm. where he goes skate on your crew like Mario Lemieux. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, Fife would always do some interplay with sports. Uh, tra- um, Q-Tip, who is the lead guy, would also he said uh, this might be scrawny. Got legs like uh, Lou, what is it, Lou Brock? I forgot it. It's from, it's from uh, not this album. It's from the Scenario album, uh, the Serial song. But Midnight Marauders is my favorite, by far, Tribe album. Lou Theory is really good, but if you can't groove to Midnight Marauders, your ears are broken. It's a great album. It's a, a fantastic band. I saw them post-Fife, um, but they were fantastic live at Pitch, Pitchfork back in, like, 2019. So uh, Tribe Called Quest, great band, great rock, uh, and, hip-hop band. And I believe it was released on the same day as 36 Chambers from Wu-Tang. Oh, shit. That's a great fucking day right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good I music think November day. 9th, 1993. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Vinny, you got a number three album right here. You're going a little bit back in the, uh, the, the catalog, back in the decades. What you rolling with? 1957, baby. Oh. All the way back. We're going to the blueprint of rock and roll right here, and that's Little Richard. This is Here's Ooh. Little Richard. Uh, this is a, a bit of a cheat on my part because this is technically just a compilation of some singles that had already been released and stuff like that. But, guys, there's a reason they call Little Richard the architect of rock and roll. 
this is this is it right here. This is everything you need to know. Everything you need to build off of. Uh, it's it's right here. I mean, guys, it opens with Tutti Frutti. Maybe you know one of the five be- five or ten best songs ever. Absolutely, Ready Teddy, Slipping and Sliding, Long Tall Sally, Miss Anne, Rip It Up. It's all on here. Uh, this is as good as it gets right here. The only one I knew off of it was Tutti Frutti. Well, so. you need to go home and listen to the whole thing. It's probably about 20 minutes long. I was about to say. So, you know, all these songs are about two minutes. So you'll get through it real quick. But, I mean, this is it, right? I mean, this is this is everything that rock and roll became started right here with, in, in this era when they took they transitioned from R&B into rock and roll. And a lot of it has to do with the personality. And you're not going to find a bigger badder personality from the 1950s than little richard uh a guy who uh obviously was uh living a what was at the time a, a, an unpopular uh, lifestyle as well and therefore earned him the nickname later on obviously of the king and queen of rock and roll uh which i always find is just tremendous he gets he gets all he gets all the titles exactly he gets all the titles He's all in one there. so um I mean, listen, you, you can't get better than this. He's a dude. He, he'd put, put his foot up on the piano and play the piano with his foot up on it. Uh, you know, he had a great See, band. You get honking on some saxophone in there, too. Uh, yeah, this is, just, this is just tremendous. I'm sorry I'm not going to have a lot to say about your guys' picks today because I am not good. familiar with these artists that you guys are going with, but uh, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than putting on Little Richard. You will get sweaty in a hurry if you do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you uh, are you like a, a Superman is the best superhero villain or a superhero of all time because he's like the first because he's the blueprint? Is that your? No, I mean I'm a Marvel guy, not a DC guy, okay. so I get even nerdier when it comes to answering that question. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean listen when it comes to when it comes to the 50s, Chuck Berry and Little Richard, you you can't you. It's what everything else sprang from. Everything you guys are talking about today and everything, all that 70s stuff that I talk about all the time, everything from then to now, you can't do it without those two guys. Why, why Little Richard over Chuck Berry? Because I think probably most people would go Chuck Berry. I think this album is more packed with, with quality. Okay. Chuck Berry had a, a few of these albums, too, in the 50s where they mashed all his singles together and stuff like that, but they were a little bit more strewn out. The B-sides to, to Chuck Berry's stuff maybe sometimes wasn't as high quality as the hits. Uh, Chuck Berry, I mean, I, I think, you know, in terms of playing the guitar, it, everything, everything springs from there, so uh, obviously you can't go wrong there. But, yeah, I'm going with this one just because from an album sense, you, you, it's, it's one of those ones where you hit, you know there's that Vince McMahon gif where – the next the everything, the next thing you're, right. you're reacting a lot yeah, more. Yeah. That's what this. That's what listening to this album is like. You hear it, you go, "Oh, I can't possibly top this," and then you just do <laughs> and do and do and do ever all the way down. Like I said, it's about twenty minutes long, so it's a nice uh, listen if you haven't heard it you, all the way through. You mentioned "Long Tall, uh, Tall Sally." That one's uh, later on in the tracks. Uh, Little Yumper saying that that's the song they played in Predator on the helicopter. Uh, so I've never, I've also never seen that movie, but uh, some people have seen that movie. Uh, you know, other people who are not me. So sure. Sure. Pass that along. You've seen the movie? Yeah. Who hasn't? <laughs> all right. I have um, All right. Let's go to my album, my number third album of all time. Uh, I'm going with Alligator by The National. This is my most played band of uh, of all time on Last FM. I've been tracking my music playing uh, habits since 2018, and The National have been about 1,400 streams for me. Uh, they're my favorite band of all time. This is my favorite album of them. Is it their best album? Probably not. Boxer is, is well it more your acclaimed. Favorite of theirs. Though? It is my okay. favorite of right. theirs, and it's it's kind of matters. it's them coming into their own. It's their third album. Their first two, not really accessible. 
Not going to lie. Not the best. But here, they finally figure it out. Uh, and I really like just the, the energy on this album. It starts off with Secret Meeting, which is fantastic. Lit Up, which is the third track, is a, a very great song. Um, and I, I realized, too, like this is an album that I just play, and I don't really realize that I'm listening to it. And that's how I know all the words. I don't really know words to songs. I'm more of a music first and then lyric second. Uh, but this one I have just listened to so many times that the lyrics have now ingrained into my head. So uh, this is an album that is just uh, very easy listening to me. Uh, I don't know if it is easy listening. It's, it's like, not easy listening, yeah. but it's it's easy to listen to yes. is what you're saying. I don't know if you. it's like yeah. the, the easy listening genre, but it is easy to listen to. Gotcha. Uh, kind of like... You guys covered easy listening yesterday. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's like if Arcade Fire was from Cleveland. Um, that's how... Or Ohio. Um, that's how I would describe the national. Um, it, there's also a song, All the Wine. Uh, if you guys want to listen to this uh, album, maybe listen to All the Wine first, drink a bottle of wine, and then start at the, the first song. Thing. Yeah, and then and then finish it, and then you'll... That usually improves just about anything you're right. listening to. And especially <laughs> this album. This album's fantastic. And uh, I, I really feel like, uh, you know, this would be their Born to Run, and I think they just hit their Tunnel of Love. I think you understand what I'm saying here. Um, that's, so that's not great, right? But but <laughs> it is a it's a good it's a great stretch of albums. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's a really good stretch of albums. Tun that, Tunnel of Love means you're on the other side of the hill. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> you know every band gets there at some point. Uh, so uh, run you know, into it. At least uh, at least you know I would say 2005 to 2021 uh, is their peak. So uh, you're starting off with the best. So I think if you start here, at least it's a good place to start if you want to get into the national, like uh, Vinnie or Herb, who I know haven't listened to the national. So. So, you know, that's a great place to start for uh, for them. But uh, any other thoughts here on our number three albums of all time? You're still searching for that something. label that they're on is Beggar's Banquet. Isn't that a Rolling Stones album? Indeed it is. Is it? Okay, oh. yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's an, they're an indie band of the of the aughts. You know what I'm saying? So uh, yeah, they're one. That's one of the uh, Beggar's. Do they sound like Rolling Stones? No. Okay. They sound. Well. I don't know how they sound. Do they sound like... Maybe they sound like Ohio. Lawrence, how would you've heard that band. Ohio, how would you like describe the, the National? Like... Brooding. brooding. Yeah. Hmm. Brooding, divorce, dad rock. Wow. Even, yeah. Boy, I can't, boy, I can't wait married. to hear this. <laughs> he is very married, but there is a sense of like... Is there a song called... Always, can I borrow a feeling on it? There you go. Uh, yeah. No. What's oh, that one? Do you get that one? No, I don't. Ah, come on. I'm sorry. Catch up on your Simpsons, man. <laughs> Can I borrow oh. a feeling? Oh, that's a... Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. That's uh, Milhouse's, Milhouse's dad. dad. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. No, all right. That's what that it sounds... You said it sounds like <laughs> divorced dad rock. I was like, Milhouse's dad. Yeah. And someone said, uh, the real Matt Lato said, Sean is a little bit tutti fruity. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Let's uh, move on. <laughs> It's a phenomenal song. I'm, say, I'm he, reading he, it as a compliment. I think he meant it yeah. as, a, as an insult, <laughs> yeah. but but you know, take it. Herb wins this round, so congrats, Herb. I you know, I think I think they're all great. You know, yeah. I, I just haven't listened to Little Richard one. It, it will be great once I listen to it. So yeah, uh, have you watched you his uh, biopic? No, is it good? Pretty good. Have you seen it? I wasn't aware there was one. Oh, uh, Le- it's a long time ago. Leon, uh, the actor, uh, did it. Uh, if you watched Above the Rim, the main character in that, except for Tupac, Leon is t- uh, Little Richard. Mm, it's just perfect. It's just a nice uh, representation of who he was on and off the stage. And like Vinny said, it was very, like, imagine somebody doing it now, a little bit more celebrated. He was firstly in the black community and the church community and, like, coming out. Not even come out. He was just flamboyant. He was just different. More, I think, more in a box that you couldn't put him in. Like, hey, I'm going to be me all day long. Because right. he started off singing gospel stuff, 
And then he's like, that's not me. I love the church, but my music is my music. Talking about sex, talking about different things. So, yeah, for 1957, Jesus. Yeah. And screaming it from the rooftops, too. And people ate it up. Sounds like Katy Perry. Katy Perry oh. also started, started Dude, as a church singer. Come on, what are you and now doing? Now she's, she's a legend. Doing? I don't know. The best way to support CHGO <laughs> is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. No, I That's can actually not say it. this. R- Little Richard is rolling in his grave after that comment. <laughs> oh, sky Because he is currently dead. <laughs> That's not it. If you make a $15 or more first-time deposit. because of that comment. <laughs> you'll Katie receive Perry. a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. And Little Richard might come back from the dead as well oh, if you use that. Wow. So it's a really great you deal. Apologize, yeah, maybe <laughs> that's two thousand dollars in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from the CHGO locker. All for making more than a fifty-dollar first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. PointsBet is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better. Introducing PointsBet's newest feature, the live NBA same game parlay for the first time ever you can build the perfect live nba same game parlay only with points bet you can combine your favorite bets anytime during the game and if you want more you can also boost your live same game parlays you can watch live parlay live and boost live with points bet online signup is available in illinois you can download the points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone so what are you waiting for once the game starts don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. And I need to mention that Strava CBD coffee is a game changer and it's helped thousands of people to improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava delivers delicious fresh roasted coffee, specialty coffee infused with organic broad spectrum CBD. CBD from help doesn't make you high or hungry, but it does offer real benefits that can help you. It'll help you feel alert and focused without the jitters. It'll help you live your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pains. And I've noticed this one inducing, including CBD in your daily routine can even help you enjoy a more restful sleep. So you wake up feeling your best. I like to drink some coffee at night. I like to drink the decaf one with 20 milligrams of CBD. It helps me feel real nice and relaxed, ready to go to bed. And the best part too, Strava is all about quality. Everything is small batch, fresh and shipped straight to your door. Strava offers concentrated full-spectrum CBD tinctures for those looking for a more traditional CBD format with a powerful entourage effects and benefits. And CHGO listeners can save 25% off their purchase when you use code CHGO25. That's 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com when you use code CHGO25 at checkout. Discount coupon valid on non-subscription purchase only, one use per customer. And if you already love Strava like I do, you can subscribe and save with the Strava Coffee, Coffee Club with Strava coffee you're in control you can save on your favorite coffees and have them automatically delivered to your home or office on your preferred schedule again stravacraftcoffee.com and you could save 25 percent off your entire purchase using the code chgo25 all right guys we mentioned it before got through it thank cool. you I think that was probably my best uh, back-to-back. Are you, yeah, it's are good. you so, parched? You know, thank you. Are I you am parched. I'm going to ask a question and then probably take a <laughs> sip of water. Uh, let's go into the doubleheader here. Surprising rain delay today or weather delay. We get a doubleheader tomorrow. This is going to be the first of many for the Sox this season, and it will be nine-inning games tomorrow instead of the seven-inning game. I say nine-inning game, and Herb, I immediately see your head shaking. So uh, do you like the fact that they're going back to nine-inning doubleheaders? No. Like, if you're out there and listening or watching this, you've been to a nine-inning doubleheader 
it is torture. I love baseball as much as the next guy. One time I went to this Cleveland Indians at the time versus White Sox doubleheader. The first game lasted four and a half hours. We're like, we're going to go because it was my first opportunity to go to a doubleheader. Went to the second one, left after the second inning. I was like, That's, I'm, fi- I'm already five hours invested at the same place, spending money left and right. Then last year, I went to the doubleheader versus Minnesota, which famously ended with Gavin Sheets walking us off. Yes. We weren't there that long. We're probably five hours total for two games to be completed and that walk-off home run by Gavin Sheets. That I don't know why you would change that, why you would change that rule. Like it, Especially in a season where it's shortened, where pitchers need to be ramped up, nine-inning games, a doubleheaders should be a thing of the past. We've introduced us to seven-inning doubleheaders. I don't feel like it is inauthentic. I don't feel like those wins are not the same. I just feel like if you're playing two games straight back-to-back, players don't want to be there all damn day. Media people don't want to be there all day. Neither the fans. So let's get the game over and let's get some results and move on. Vinny, what do you think? Yeah, preach. I mean, <laughs> listen, as somebody who doesn't get the uh, chance to go home in the second inning of game two, uh, yeah, I absolutely think that uh, from a selfish standpoint, they should be seven innings. Hey, why not five? But no, the... Uh, the <laughs> Whatever's good. But yeah, I mean, seven innings just, it really didn't make sense, right? I mean, it, you're not watering it down so much that it doesn't feel regular, you know what I mean? It doesn't, like, the whole reason I hate that ghost runner rule in, in extra right. innings is it doesn't really feel like you're playing baseball the right way kind of thing. And yeah, if you were only playing five innings, you'd probably have that kind of feeling, but seven seems to be a pretty happy medium there. And uh, to go from nine to seven so that you can fit two in, you know what I mean? Like when you're playing two nine inning games in one day, it really feels like you're just forcing two nine inning games into one day. Seven seems like, all right, we're able to get two in because we have made them seven innings apiece. Right, and when Ernie Banks was proclaiming let's play two, games are like two hours long. Right. So it was just four-hour games that were, you know, 18 innings. You try to get eight through 18 innings, and it does then bleed into seven and a half hours of a total day. And maybe now with the rules being implemented in the minor leagues that we'll talk about a little bit later, games are being shortened, so maybe that will lead to quicker games, so nine innings won't seem as much, but right now you're dealing with games that average three hours and 30 minutes, so it's just a ridiculous ask for fans to be there for two games back-to-back. And it really feel felt like the last couple of years when they were playing seven-inning doubleheader double games that, like, everyone loved it. Right. Like, the people involved were like, this is less arduous of a task. Obviously, the people who were watching it didn't have to commit seven, eight hours of their day to watching baseball, uh, whether by choice or because you had to be there for, for – for your job, whatever that might have been. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it really seemed like a no-brainer. And going back to it, I, I think the idea was what? It's like, well, we're, we're not doing the same pandemic restrictions anymore. Let's get rid of everything we put in place to help with the pandemic. And, I mean, I think the idea, the original explanation for the seven-inning games was let's just try to cut down on the amount of time that these people right. are in close quarters with each other because of, of COVID and what was going on. And I, I, I'm guessing that the reason that they went back to the nine innings was because that was a COVID in, in, you know, rule from that era. So I definitely think they should be seven-inning games. 
Tony La Russa, as we will see, thinks that they should be seven-inning games, and it really seems like everybody besides the people who made that decision to go back to nine feels like they should have stayed at seven. Yeah, and I'm honestly surprised to see Tony just because it does feel like he is such a, an old soul for uh, baseball. He's just you know very traditional. Uh, but to see the quotes that he said that you gave us uh, from April 13th, he said, it's hard for me to understand why they got rid of seven-inning games with the shortened spring training, adding extra games, particularly shortened spring training, um, we are already pushing pitchers, especially to a place that's dangerous. Nobody is deep enough. Seven would be good. So not only is it part of, too, when you know Tony came into managing back in 1979, a lot of starters were going nine innings. You saw regularly people pitching 200 innings, especially starters. Now you're not seeing that. So I think Fred said it here, uh, seven-inning doubleheaders are uh, better than the extra-inning Manfred, man. No, that's not it. Uh, Nine-inning doubleheaders are dumb, even more this year with starters going five innings, right? So you're instead of seeing starters go seven innings like they used to, you're seeing them go five. It just makes more sense. It's more of a condensed game, but you're also seeing still a true representation, like you were saying, of a game. Well, and think about this. Last year you saw, especially in the first half of the season, every time the Sox had a doubleheader, they started Michael Kopech in a in a, mm-hmm. in a spot start usually, um, and the most innings that he pitched, if memory serves, was four. And then you're at the final three innings of the game. There you go. Well, now you're going to have your starting pitchers maybe go five, let's say five-ish because of where they are right now in, in their workloads. They only go five. Then you have four innings of relief. So Kopech pitching four innings last year in a spot start – required fewer innings of relief than if your starting pitchers go five, a full five qualify for a win this time around. So, I mean, really, it's just kind of a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you have done the seven innings to save your bullpens? And I'm sure the White Sox are not the only team dealing with a very hard-worked bullpen right now that has been eating up so many innings with the with the workloads that the starting pitchers are at. Yeah, let's go there because we do have a doubleheader tomorrow. We will see Dallas Keuchel and Jimmy Lambert, Lambert supposedly pitch tomorrow for the Sox. We will also see Shane Bieber, and I believe it is Tristan McKenzie going for the Guardians in those two games. Uh, and there you go. I just saw Mike's question pop up on the screen. Who's starting tomorrow? Well, it's Dallas Keuchel and Jimmy Lambert and uh, uh, Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie. Uh, I know that Lucas Giolito can come off off the IL. It seems that he's currently down in AZ pitching a sim game, so I don't think that he'll be back and ready for uh, to, to be pitching tomorrow. So Sunday. Sunday he's mm-hmm. going to be back? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so Sunday, Lucas Giolito will be back. So uh, you'll see Lambert and, and, and Keiko tomorrow, but you do have a well-rested bullpen. Uh, you, you, you have two days off now, effectively. Uh, this should be a day where even if Lambert struggles, as long as Dallas Keiko gives you five tomorrow, this bullpen should be fully operational and the White Sox as long as they hit, I think they could take two tomorrow. And Dallas is pitching the first game of the two, correct? Yes. yes. And that's probably the best thing because you're going to get at least five if you're getting Dallas Keuchel on the bump tomorrow. To have Jimmy Lambert go first, that would have been a big mistake. So, yes, I'm not a fan of nining, but remember a couple of years ago in 2020 where the White Sox, I think, played the last nine-inning uh, doubleheader I think it was versus the Cardinals before they changed the rule to the seven inning uh, double header. So there's not there's time left in the season for insanity to get out of the way and let common sense rule with these seven innings, especially if you get people like Tony Larusa saying, "Hey, seven innings was good." So maybe the union and the and the MLB can come together and say, "This is dumb. A lot of a lot of the nine inning double headers. It killed this team." Let's go to a 7-8-1 this season. Let's vote on it and change it right now. Because here's the thing, too, Sean, you bring up. 
there's been two off days, right? The bullpen should be well rested for tomorrow. Okay, but what if the bullpen's got to throw eight innings tomorrow? Yee. Then what happens for Thursday? And, well, and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. You know what I mean? It's that cumulative effect where you could get what you want out of Dallas Keuchel and Jimmy Lambert, and you could still have a ton of innings that need to be covered by the bullpen. It's basically like you threw eight pitchers in one nine-inning game because they all pitched on the same day. Now, obviously, the White Sox will be mindful of that and try to make it so guys are available for the next day. Maybe only one or two guys gets worked to the point where you wouldn't be able to use them in the day game on Thursday. But it, it's the cumulative effect, and I think it's something that we've been monitoring all season long when I mean heck we were talking about it the second game of the season you know what I mean where Mm -hmm. after opening day there were two guys that they couldn't use the next day because of the way they were worked and that's just going to keep going and going and going that's the challenge of baseball every team's got to deal with it you know you play every day but you you sit there and if you're the White Sox you got to try to map out a situation in which you are not burning through that bullpen and wrecking wrecking yourself maybe for the Minnesota series more so than this Cleveland well, series. Well, and that's where I think that competitive play is hurt on days where doubleheaders happen because let's say the White Sox win that first game and they get, you know, five good innings from Dallas Keuchel, they get clean innings in the 6th, 7th, and 8th and ninth, and then in that next game Jimmy Lambert has a horrible outing. They didn't use Tanner Banks, and then they're just like, well, we're just going to use Tanner Banks for the rest of the game until we take the lead. Like, I, I just do think that teams, especially if they get behind in after winning the first game of a doubleheader, they do push you know less hard just because uh, of not trying to overwork that bullpen. House it's money. also going to exactly it's house, house money, money theory. If, if, well, if, I don't if you win, failed. I don't even. Too. I don't even know if that's the case so much as like you have to follow that plan, right? You have to follow that map, and you. Let's put it this way. What, what is Tony, Tony always says this. He goes, you'd rather lose a game than lose a pitcher, you know what I mean, At, or lose a player to injury usually right. is what he's talking about. But you don't want to overwork yourself to put yourself in a position where you're at a less positive chance to win in the games that come after that because, like I said, one game out of 162 is nothing compared to when you start stacking up 3-4-5. Thursday will be an important game, though, because that is another, you know, it's a, it's a very important day for Dylan Cease just because of the way he's been pitching so far this year. If they do overwork their bullpen, let's say they don't get a, you know, a long start from Dallas Keuchel, they don't get a long start from Jimmy Lambert, Dylan Cease, again, being asked to have another long start. Uh, it's just with the injuries to Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn, uh, it is more pressure on Dylan Cease to be the guy in the rotation. And we saw you know him and him and. Michael Kopech live up to that pressure uh, in that race series, but it, it is, again, another opportunity where he has to be the guy, again, to help that bullpen possibly on Thursday. And it's early, too. Like So you're going to have these yeah, 12, two, ga- two games tomorrow, and then the next day you have a 12-10 start. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's taxing time at the bullpen. Hopefully Dylan is there initially and then goes home and gets some good sleep in the, the Cleveland Hotel. So he's ready to pitch because that's an early, early start. I know it's a getaway day, but, yeah, I think, Dylan is on his quest for AL Cy Young uh, candidacy, so he will let nothing stop him. He's been our best pitcher by far so far, you know, by disqualification. But I think even when the Lance Lynn and G. Little come back, he's going to be still battling these guys for the supremacy of the ace of the staff. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can. I think you can look as a positive. You know, we've been following so closely. Oh my goodness, how 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 long are these starting pitchers going to go? The good news is, as April moves along and and turns into May. They're going to go longer and longer, and right. I think you should expect Dylan Cease to be able to throw six innings on Thursday. Heck, I think you should expect Dallas Keuchel to throw six innings tomorrow in, in game one of that doubleheader. Jimmy Lambert, 
We're not sure, obviously, because he was still building up when they had to call him up for, for emergency starting duty. But I think it's probably just based on performance, too. Like, I mean, if, if he can give them five innings just because, you know, he's, he hasn't given up a hit or too many runs, like, I think they'll push him to five if they can get him there. Lambert. Y- yeah, Lambert. Jimmy yeah, Lambert. I mean, it's about the number of pitches he's thrown, too. You right. know what I mean? It's how efficient you are. We saw with Michael Kopech his last start. You know, he throws 35 pitches in the first inning, and you're, or, or that was Velasquez. He throws 25. Tw- 25 pitches in the first inning, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to last, but he found it, and he became, and he he found his efficiency. You know, maybe you see Dallas or or even Jimmy Lambert be in a similar situation. Like I said, Keuchel has been built up pretty much since the start, and I think he was disappointed that he only went as long as he did in his first start of the year. So I think he would probably tell you that he is capable of going six or seven. And heck, if he has a good day, maybe he does that, and that's a and that changes this entire script for when it, when we're talking about the bullpen. Well, he had a first uh, a first. The, the, the most uh, pitches in a first outing for any White Sox uh, this year. So, and I think I just did it again, making White Sox singular. That's how I do uh, it. That's That's how I do it. Uh, so he, he had 80 <laughs> pitches in his first outing. You be uh, you, Sean. Yes. Yeah, yeah my don't bad. let these people bully you or me. <laughs> <laughs> he got up to 80 pitches in that game against the Mariners, so I would assume he's going to try to get to 90 or 100 because this is a less dangerous lineup than Seattle. Also with the doubleheader, I think they're just going to be more worried about the pitch count because if he's getting outs, they're probably just going to try to push him for as long as they can. Dylan got up to 91, so I wouldn't be shocked if Dylan gets up to 100 uh, on Thursday. So again, it is just mostly Lambert. If he can give them a quality four innings or five innings and he can be under 75 pitches or 80 pitches, I think that they'll take that from Jimmy Lambert and you're looking at uh, just you know those couple innings that they have to mop up. And Jimmy Lambert should take a a page out of Dallas Keuchel's book. Dallas Keuchel's a veteran. He understands that balls are not getting hit out of the ballpark as much mm-hmm. this year. All he needs to do in the Cleveland air is hit, pitch the contact. He's not out there trying to strike people out. Hit it. Hit it in my spot. Get quick, easy outs so your pitch count doesn't go up. That's what Jimmy Lambert needs to learn. He doesn't have blow-away stuff. Sometimes you just need a well-paced fastball, and then your secondary stuff needs to just be in the strike zone. Let them hit it as far as they can, except for that man. Jose Ramirez. Yeah, do not, not, do not, not pitch to him. him. Yeah, yeah we're avoid, avoiding him at all costs. Intentional but, walk every time up. Give him the bonds treatment. <laughs> he said 16 times. He's fine if he walks so, 16 times in this. this let Fran Mill Reyes out. have the series of his life. Series. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fine if he has the, the series of his life. We've seen Jose Ramirez have a couple series of his life, and he, he's already red hot, so I'd avoid him. But you're right. I mean, Lambert's fastball was working very well in his last start. If he continues that, and as long as you know, he has one breaking ball, I think he can be effective enough to give the White Sox. Uh, what they're looking for. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about this pitch clock because the pitch clock in the minor leagues is shaving 20 minutes off minor league games while scoring is the same. We are going to see this introduced into the major leagues in 2023. This is from Jeff Passan's column in ESPN. He said more than one third of minor league games over the three-day sample with the clock ended in less than two hours and 30 minutes, including one game that finished in one hour and 59 minutes, which I think Mark Burley was probably pitching in, Mm -hmm. and another in two hours. 27% of games fell within two minutes, two hours and 30 minutes to two hours and 40 minutes, nearly three times the percentages in 2021. Only 15% of games exceeded three hours compared to 52% of last season with no timer in place. So Herb, I know that you had a real big tradition while you worked at the score, uh, whether it be White Sox games, whether it be uh, Cubs games, but you tweet out the time of game after every single game of running the board. And consistently you'd see 3.06, 326 and then it'd be up to four hours sometimes 
What do you think when you hear baseball being played in two hours and 30 minutes to two hours and 40 minutes? Beautiful. I love it. It's way baseball is supposed to be played. I think, as I haven't asked a hitter about this, but I think hitters get more nervous when you get the ball and throw it. Mm-hmm. It shows confidence that you know what you're throwing, where you're going to throw it, and the hitters are like, okay, this guy's got a rhythm going, so I need to break this up. Having a pitch clock, I'm not 100% in favor of, but I'm 100% in favor of pitchers realizing their power is speed, getting the batters in and out, in and out, and getting the ball and throwing it. Um, the only thing I worry about with pitch clocks is the ump show. Ump's taking over. Like we saw the other day in a uh, LSU uh, SEC game where they struck a guy out who had two strikes just because he was taking too much time outside the batter's box. But they had already given him a warning. But, like, I could see Angel Hernandez ruining this. Luckily, Joe West is retired now. I could see guys just being bad. Tom Hallion, just like the ump show time. So, I'm in favor of games being sped up. I'm not in favor of the mechanism that they're using to use a pitch clock. I think it's unnatural to use a clock in baseball. I think just let people do what they need to do. But I feel like if I was ever given a seminar to pitch, it's like if I'm up there and you're just getting the ball and throwing it, I have no time to think about your arsenal. I have no time to think. I just have to react right now. And so that's advantage pitcher. Well, and that's part of what made Mark Burley so effective. He was throwing at such low velocity and his stuff wasn't, you know, eye popping. He didn't have this great breaking ball like, you know, Dylan Cease or Michael Kopech or Matt Brash. Like, you know, you're going to yeah. see a, a Mark Burley throwing a slider like Matt Brash. But what he did have was he was always releasing from the same release point. So guys couldn't tell coming out of the hand what it was. And he was always working quickly because at this, you know, breakneck play- pace where guys couldn't get comfortable, he would always just be throwing balls at them. And he wouldn't be able to tell, you know, what was coming out of your hand and you couldn't get in a rhythm. Uh, you know, you have this time to guess, oh, maybe I'm sitting fastball or gear up like fastball, 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 sitting dead red, as they always say. Um, you don't really have that time to think. And something that Clayton Kershaw has done so far, he's top 10 in pace this year, and he has just been working at such a quicker speed than he's ever worked before. And it's now like if Mark Burley had Clayton Kershaw stuff, it's 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 impressive. Yesterday he had a really good game until you know the sixth inning came around and guys started sitting on his fastball, but he really wasn't predictable throughout that entire game. So I, I do think that, you know, that concern about hitters possibly being thrown off, I'm fine with that if especially if they're going to be deadening the ball. Um, I, I think that it is all about pace of play, and I think if they increase pace of play, it's going to increase enjoyment of watching the game for fans. Yeah, I I would say that there's probably another side to that argument, which is, you know, don't underestimate how important routine is to pitchers. And there might be some pitchers out there that got to relearn how to do what they do Mm -hmm. uh, and and to be effective doing it if they're not going to be able to be in complete control Mm -hmm. of, you know, how they get ready for pitches. And, you know, you see – you see the chess match all the time of, of you know, a, a batter stepping out of the box or a, or a, or a catcher asking for time, that kind of thing. Um, that's going to go away, hopefully. Uh, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm in favor of the pitch clock. I'm all about – you say two-and-a-half-hour game. I'm like, <laughs> sign me up. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, don't, don't, don't assume that every pitcher is going to be able to turn into Mark Burley. Mark Burley was effective yes. because he was Mark Burley. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of pitchers that are not able to do that and work that quickly. That being said, you're absolutely right. That he works quickly, usually always a compliment or always a, oh, he's hard to hit because he works quickly kind of thing. And uh, so when you're talking about the hitters having to face him, that's something that they've got to figure out, absolutely. But, uh, you know, you also want to make sure these guys are hitting the zone. 
You know what I mean? You make these pitchers speed up their their process. Mm-hmm. They might not be able to locate quite as easily as they right. do normally, and you're seeing a bunch of walks, and that drags the game on too. Um, I'm happy to hear uh, that that those are the results, but obviously there is some big there are some big differences between. Uh, how games are managed in AAA versus how games are managed at the major league level. Um, and, I, and I think the, the main thing that has dragged games out uh, has been all the pitching changes. And, right. and, that, and so uh, if, they can't, if, they, if, there's, if those are still able to run wild, and I know they've got the three-batter rule in there, which has probably helped with that, but um, it'll be interesting to see, definitely. But uh, I, I don't know if it would be a cure-all in terms of the quality of the game or the quality of play or, or, or who would who would have the upper hand or what. I d- Imagine a Francona doubleheader game where he had just the one batter minimum rule. Oh, my goodness. I think I've been to him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's just switching righty, lefty, every at bat. It's a five-hour nine in a game. Yeah. Oh, and I'm, I'm glad, too, that, that I really do like the implementation of that rule as well, the three batter minimum. I think that's moved the game along fairly quicker than – you know, all the, the, the loogie stuff where you're putting in guys to face a, a right-hander, especially it, with the way lineups were staggered. I think it makes I, – I, I think what, what what so many people are afraid of with these with these rule changes are that it, like, takes the chess match thing out of the game. It yeah. takes the strategy away. I think it just makes it different, right? I mean, now you have to strategize two batters ahead rather than being in every single moment. And I, I, think, that that, I think that that adds to the chess match – uh, adds to the strategy of it because you're not just making a pitching change to get the next guy out. You have to make a pitching change to get the next two or three guys out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, you know, we talk about the strategy and pitch clock. Like, there is no strategy, really, that is changing. You have now PitchCom, which is being introduced, which you can now flash signs even before the pitcher has the ball. So, I mean, communication in getting pitches is quicker. This should be an operation that can you know be adapted easily by major league players and one thing too i like the that they're pushing this into the minor leagues now to get these guys ready and you talked about routine like you know you can introduce this into the minor leagues because not a lot of those guys have their routines just of yet and it hasn't changed the game uh jeff has this in his his uh article scoring was essentially flat with the non-test uh, set yielding 5.13 runs and hits 16.1 hits per game uh, while the clock featured 5.11 uh, and 15.9 hits. So you're really not seeing a difference between the runs and the hits. Uh, again, I probably messed up that reading there. But it used to be uh, when there was no pitch clock, 5.13 runs per game. Now it's 5.11-11. So scoring and hitting has not been changed. And I did want to uh, use this as well. That's kind of the differential of how games were uh, played after the rules were enforced, before the rules were enforced. You see all that red on the left side of that graph just showing the spike of games being played quicker, under two hours and 44 minutes. Uh, over 30% of those games were finished in two hours and 30 minutes and two hours and 44 minutes. So 30% of those games, uh, I will take that. And if you're taking, you know, all those times under as well, uh, and you know, you see up to 25% for two hours and 15 minutes to two hours and 29 minutes. If they can make it as quick as a college basketball game is played, more people will watch this game, and Absolutely. that is that is great to see. So I'm, I'm all for the, this, this rule change right here. Me too. And with major leagues, remember, they have a minute 40 for a commercial break, so minor leagues might be a little different, so you'll add – probably like 30 seconds to each break. Mm-hmm. Uh, the minor leagues, I don't know how much their uh, breaks are. So, yeah, it'll be quicker. Probably won't be 2.30, but under three-hour games consistently, 
I think we're all for that, right? And I, and I should, yes, I'm all for that, and I also should mention, too, what the pitch clock is set at. Um, so with no one on the mound, pitchers have 14 seconds to pitch when someone is on the mound. No one the on mound. the bases. Yes, when no one yeah. is on the bases. When no one's on the bases, uh, they have 14 seconds to pitch, and then when someone is on base, they have 18 seconds. So Okay. Yeah, right now Clayton Kershaw he works around like twenty seconds. And so, so if you and don't, he's moving fast, if you he's don't get fast. it, he's you, top ten. You get a ball called against you. Yes, you okay. get a ball called against you. And there was one player who had uh, three strikeouts in the minor leagues on eight pitches because the guy took too long in the box and got a called strike against him. <laughs> so that's that. That's a, a weird uh, immaculate inning right there. So we might not see immaculate innings. We might see uh, less than immaculate innings uh, with three Ks and eight strikes. But uh, interesting developments that we'll see. And I'm, I'm all for most of the role changes that have happened. Three batter minimum, uh, this pitch clock. And I think the only one I'm against is going back to nine inning games. Uh, let's go back to seven inning uh, double headers, and I'll be, I'll be a fan of that. Do you like big bases? Big bases haven't affected the game, and as long as uh, less guys are getting injured, I'm fine with that. So they're funny though. I it's a funny them. rule change. Are they bigger? Have yes. you noticed? I, I can't tell. They seem. I'm I mean, sure they're fine. When they yeah. put them to next to each other, I'm like, God damn, that base is huge. But yeah, <laughs> no one can't tell from, from the, the seats. Yeah, from yeah, the right. stands are like, oh my god, how much, how much more base is that? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's closer to the plate, so we should be getting more infield singles, like Timmy did the other day. But he he was beat out still. I mean, like no, the no, bigger the, bases. not that one. The, oh. There was a one uh, he did uh, the beginning of the game where yeah. he hit the ball to third base. And I was thinking the Adam Engel one, where yeah. Adam Engel had a great base running play. We we're going from second to home, and Timmy just barely barely missed out uh, beating that one to uh, they are. to first base. And those are the bigger bases. Uh, if you could see them, uh, well, we, we, we can only see them. Uh, they're not on the broadcast. It's all right. You don't have to put them on the broadcast. They're a little bit bigger. <laughs> they're they're like a little bit bigger, two inches. Monstrous. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty unnoticeable uh, or un- unrecognizable probably to the naked eye. Uh, but if you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com. We will help you out. In case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in just seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem, call one 800 522 Four seven zero zero, and we do want to mention CHGO. You can take advantage of that partnership deal that we have with PointsBet using code CHGO, depositing fifty dollars on your first time, and you can get the free CHGO membership. Yeah. But yes, right, right, right over there. No, uh, not but over Vinny. if you just want to become a member of CHGO, go to allchgo.com. You will be getting the podcast, the pregame shows, the postgame shows, and all of our live shows. For free, but members, if you become a member, you'll get a free shirt when you sign up. All of our shirts are shipping out real quick and fast now. We have the merchandise coming in and going out of our Denver offices, so you will get a shirt fairly quick once you order them. So once you become a member, you get a free shirt of your choice from the CHG Locker. You also get access into our members-only Discord. We call that the CHG Lounge. And you get access to premium written content by all of our beat writers, Vinny Duber being one of them. Uh, he does have a free article up right now on the website about the mysticism of Tony LaRussa. But for, you know, post-game recaps, stuff like that, you know, if Luis Robert has a big day, those will be behind a paywall and members can uh, can view that and view Vinny's writing about the on-day, the daily goings-ons of the Chicago White Sox. Goings-on. Goings on, yeah, is that it? That's yes. how grammar. That, that's how we do things in the grammar world. White sock. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Allchgo.com is where you become a member. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, I think uh, my guy Jimbo said, uh, "Not all, not bigger is bigger is not always better." Come on, Jimbo, it is always better. What is he referring to? Oh, the bases. The bases being bigger, and uh, I think somebody else said, "I like big bases," and I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true, sir. Mix a lot right there. Yeah, uh, it was Mike. And uh, there was some shrinkage going on from Greg Miller. I was in the pool. I was in the pool. Uh, <laughs> let's go to our next topic. And we're talking about the projected 26-man roster for the Chicago White Sox once May comes along. When May comes along, we will be going from 28-man rosters to a 26-man roster, the normal 26-man roster. And Luis Roberts' butt cheeks wanted to tell you that uh, the mystical ardor is pretty, pretty good. So uh, you want to thank Luis Roberts butt cheeks or you want to just pass on that opportunity? <laughs> I just I'm very I'm very happy that everyone's checking it out. Uh, I am afraid that that uh, thank you would be grabbed as an audio oh, drop never. and used to death. So I'm going never. to avoid stepping in that trap. I love Luis Roberts what butt trap? cheeks. <laughs> what? Someone See, said I was, she's on. She's waiting. She's waiting to go ahead and click record on that one. So, <laughs> uh, but let's move into the 26 man roster debate because Lucas Giolito will be coming off the IL soon. He just pitched a simulated game, and like our producer Natalie mentioned earlier, uh, he'll be coming off the IL come Sunday. You also have. Uh, not, I was going to say Adam Eaton, different guy. A.J. Pollock coming off the IL soon. He did not go on the paternity uh, l- absent list. He just had a kid uh, just lined up that he was going on the IL and had a child at the same time, from my understanding. He was expected to go on the paternity list right. and then got the injured. Overrated. Uh, got injured, and the, uh, the injured list uh, is a lengthier stay, so they said... Why don't you yeah. work on your work awesome. on your hamstring while you uh, get to spend time with your with your kid? So if he has a kid in like September again, you know he can he can use his impossible. paternity leave. I mean, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's really hard. It could for him happen. to have a kid in September. Yeah, I well, mean, I mean it would, would be impossible. <laughs> I mean, like if he's <laughs> we're moving. On. I mean, with, I mean, he can you know. Let's go guys talk math. Inf- guys, math. Come and on. infidelity, well, like, too. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Wow, I didn't want to bring that up. That's what he was but, I mean, it is possible. It, wow. it might be uh, unmoral, but it might be possible. Damn, uh, but let's go into the 26-man roster. either. Whatever. <laughs> the 13 pitchers that will supposedly be on the roster at the start of May. You got Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, Dallas Keiko, Reynaldo Lopez, Vince Velasquez, Liam Hendricks, Aaron Bummer, Kendall Graveman, Jose Ruiz, Bennett Souza, Tanner Banks, and Kyle Crick. Uh, Lance Lynn is not on that list right there. Uh, we'll probably see Tanner Banks be sent down once Lance Lynn is ready to go. But those are the 13 pitchers projected to be on the uh, roster come May. Well, what's the uh, struggle for your four? Well, I would say you've got a couple of names uh, that you, you might want to mm. include on there. Yeah. Uh, uh, two relief pitchers currently on the injured oh, list yeah. in, in Joe Kelly and Ryan Burr. Oh, that's true. Who knows how quickly either of those guys will, will be off the injured list. But Joe Kelly, um, I think Rick Hahn told us, you know, might be back at uh, might be doing a triple a rehab stint by the end of this month uh which is which is coming right up so uh i think joe kelly you know the last we heard about him he's still working in arizona still you know uh, and getting that going but uh, rick Hahn said that maybe by the end of the month he would be on a rehab assignment and tony larusa said that might not need to be very long uh just because of kind of the, the veteran experience that joe kelly has and something that uh, Joe Kelly brings too, he's good at both uh, righties and lefties. So you could probably see one of those left-handers go down. Maybe it would be Tanner Banks, uh, just because they do have length in uh, Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, and with Lance Lynn coming back, uh, they'll they'll probably have a little bit more time as well. Uh, there's also the question of Johnny Cueto, Cueto coming from uh, KPW um, and and Mike Messenger. Is it Menning Menning Gassiner? 
Mine Gassiner. There it Mike is. Mike Mine Gassiner. Okay, there you go. Uh, but he's asking about Johnny Cueto, too. So if, if we're looking back at those 13 players, Kyle Crick has struggled a little bit. Mass, Matt Foster has two options. Uh, what do you think, if Cueto's ready, come May, who do you think's going down there out of the 13 men? Are you asking me? Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, uh, Kyle Crick, you mean, or a guy who has multiple options. I mean, Johnny Cueto – more than likely will be making the major league roster. If he's just horrible in the minor leagues, yeah, they have no no fault there. They can just say, okay, here's your money, get out. By May 15th, it's a, they can cut him. Yeah, so I assume that Johnny Cueto will be making the major league roster. So, yeah, one of those guys at the back end of the bullpen, even though Jose Ruiz has done well for himself, I mean, if we got Joe, Joe, uh, Johnny Kelly. Cueto coming through and Joe Kelly coming through, and then Ryan Burr coming through. Some of those guys at the end of the list might have to see a Charlotte or have a DFA on their list. Ryan Burr, I mean, like, he he was on the team last year. I don't know if he will be called up immediately to the MLB. I could see him being sent down to Charlotte. Perhaps. I think um, it depends on the need. But, I mean, I think when you talk, too, about, like, a depth chart, yeah, I mean, he's probably ahead of some of the guys that were on that list if you're just going from scratch as of a few weeks ago. But, you know, it, it's about the need, and we might see – a need develop as, as it so often does throughout the season. Could we see the, the list again of the pitchers? Just because I do think that Ruiz, now that the fact that he's added a changeup, that makes him more valuable. Well, I do. He's out of options too, remember? Yeah, so I, I'd, I'd honestly move him up. So Bennett Souza but probably. He, he has to stay in. Bennett Souza or Tanner Banks have to stay on the team, correct? Why? No. If we're getting lefties? Well, you got Bummer. But. I mean, just one then. Yeah, I mean, that that's the biggest weakness yeah, of this right. team. Yeah. But, I mean, Kyle Crick can go down. Kyle Crick does have options, and he's been a little bit shaky. Uh, he is mostly slider heavy, too. So, And then, we, remember, Vince Velasquez might get DFA'd. You know, if it's only $3 million. It's a yeah. drop in the bucket. If he pitches like he pitched in the first inning the other day, and he continues to do that, the first game also, he really wasn't that great. The results were good. I could see a straight Velasquez-Cueto trade or uh, swap. Okay, so we could see Velasquez possibly go down, Cueto come up, and then Lance Lynn probably replacing Tanner Banks right there. So that would be the, the, the two injury moves, and then there is still the question of Ryan Burr, like you, you keep bringing up. Lynn's a way off, ways off, though. I think, June, I, I think right? you're talking about the, the first few days of June for, for Lance Lynn in terms of a target. Now, that so being they, said, he says he's ahead of schedule yeah, on his wondering. rehab, and that's fine, but yeah. Because they said six to eight weeks, but he, they did say he was ahead of schedule for both him and Lucas, even though so, I think Lucas was a little bit behind schedule if so, he was able to come off the – IL on the 19th. So Rick told us, uh, I believe the day of the home opener, he just kind of mentioned when when he they were targeting Lance to be back, and he said early June. Okay. Uh, we talked to we talked to Lance shortly thereafter, and he said he's ahead of schedule, but. You know, the doctor's got to tell him what he can do and, and, and where he is in that recovery from a physical standpoint, from a medical standpoint. So he had yet to throw off a mound, obviously, when he talked to us. And, and it's you know, he, he said that that was going to be the determination, determining factor in, in how quickly along he could move this. But I think the White Sox are prepared, at least, to be without him for the first two months of the season. All right. And let's go to the uh, hitters here. We got 13 hitters that will probably on be on the roster come May. Grant Dahl and McGuire will be your catchers. Abreu, Harrison, Anderson, Berger. Uh, infielders, you also got um, Jimenez, Robert, Pollock, Vaughn, Engel, and then Sheets out in the outfield. And Liuri being your utility man. Uh, no injuries really outside of uh, Yohan Moncada. So that really makes Jake Berger the, the, the weak man on that list out of the 13. Or you guys have a different weak man on that, that list? I mean, man signed for three years, so he can't be sent down. Larry can't be sent down. But, yeah, Jake Berger has options. 
He has no position to play when Yohan Moncada comes back. It's better for him to get everyday play down there in Charlotte than this sporadic, maybe not playing at all up here in the major leagues. I think any player would rather play in AAA than just be sitting on the sidelines in the major leagues. Yeah, so you, I see that you have sent uh, Danny Mendick down for uh, when when Pollock comes back there based on that list. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. I, I would agree that he probably would get squeezed, uh, you know, Just when, it, when it goes from 28 to 26. Playing time right yeah, now. Yeah, but I mean, hey, Berger could hit himself into, into a roster spot, but I do think that, you know, Moncada coming back would obviously make a bigger, would be a bigger factor in that than anything, so... Um, yeah, they've got some they've got some decisions to make. Well, and I think too, like Harrison proves that he could play a pretty good third base. So I think that you would just have the ability then, or I mean, Berger has also proved that he could play a good third base. So you'd have two third basemen on the roster in Moncada and Berger. And Harrison has been covering for Berger whenever he's not in the lineup while Moncada's out. So I think you could have two third basemen and then two second basemen in Garcia and and uh, Harrison. So I think it just balances out nicely because Mendick, he's a very flexible piece. We saw him play right field last year, but the bat just doesn't play, and Berger's bat has been phenomenal so far. So I think that he has played himself uh, into a roster spot. But maybe the, the the idea of him getting swings in AAA would be more valuable. And and sure. not only that, we don't really know when Yoan Moncada is going to be back at this point. We talked to Tony about it the other day, and he said, you know, there's still something that he feels when he tries to make a move playing, playing defense, and until he stops feeling that completely, they're not even going to put a timetable on it. Right, so, so maybe it's May, maybe it's June. Hopefully it's not June. I Maybe mean, I, w- I wouldn't go saying doomsday quite yet, but uh, it's unknown at the moment. We'll yeah. put it that way. So that's that's all the news that we got today on the off day for the Chicago White Sox. Doubleheader tomorrow starting at 110, and then the final game. I think it happens 30 minutes after the first one wraps up. So that's your White Sox day uh, tomorrow. So that's going to wrap it up for the CHGO White Sox podcast. I got one more question, I guess. There was uh, another question. Uh, apparently Dave Stewart put out a thing for an expansion team in Nashville, someone was asking if they're doing Nashville expansion teams, what would the name be of the Nashville expansion? Should we save that for tomorrow, or you guys got thoughts How about the Nashville hot chicken? Nashville hot chicken? (laughs) There you go. Nashville fried chicken? Yeah, Nashville hot chicks, and then C-H-I-X. So that way they have the same problem that we do, whether determining whether a singular is chick or chicks. Yeah, but you're you're referring to the chicken, but also people can say it could be chicks then right. you go you got it right there Texas thing yeah Chick, chicks dig the long ball yeah and we can we can it's right there combine it's right there for the waiting the Chicago teams uh because like you know chick I think you have a, of a smaller chicken so kind of like a smaller bear you got the cubs and then you got the chick a little baby the, chicken yes. that would be the mascot and there's a hot chick there's plenty of room right there on the lakefront of Nashville you could put them right next to Nissan Stadium where the Titans play have a nice backdrop of the Nashville uh, skyline which is made of of mostly hotels. Yeah, and uh, there's the uh, Eye of Sauron building, which is like uh, very much uh, like uh, Lord of the Rings, is it? Yeah. Um, there's You're going to reference Eye of Sauron and then not know what it's from? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> all, all my friends, I've gone to Nashville three times and they're like, oh, that's the Eye of Sauron building. And I'm like, oh, I, You got to wipe, whiteboard this for me, somebody. I've never seen... Uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. uh, I Rings. cannot okay. whiteboard it for you, but in Nashville, the tallest building, I believe, looks like, and I think it's the AT&T building, looks like the Eyes of Sauron, which is like this triangular diamond shape thing. That's mm-hmm. all I could, that's how I can describe the building. So 
That's it. <laughs> We're <laughs> That's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox <laughs> podcast. For Vinny Duber, you can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. You can follow Herb Lawrence, at Ecknerwall23. And you can follow me, Sean Anderson, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you, everybody, for watching on YouTube Live with us. And we will see you tomorrow for the White Sox postgame show after Game 2 between the Guardians and Sox wrap up. We will talk to you tomorrow, and go Sox.